Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. Expecting the minimum, 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 the minimum. That's a formula I can live by. Don't be an idiot. Get up and do better. Two imperfect pastors trying to figure <laughs> it out. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Don't Be an Idiot. This is going to be the third week in this kind of short little series we're doing called Nine Common Lies. It's from a book, I guess, but really it's just common lies that Christians believe. So we talked about last week how, you know, uh, there's always this kind of weird way we try to comfort people when there's death, when we say something like, you know, God gained another angel. And we saw that's just not true. And so it's these kind of things that we're kind of dealing with today. Uh, so as always, it is our goal that we are not walking around as idiots, that each day we're just trying to get just a little bit better. So Caleb's here with me. Caleb, what are we talking about today? What's the lie? Today we're talking about how happiness is the absolute worst. All right. All right, Caleb. I think you need to back that statement up because here's what I'm thinking. Like in most places in my life, I want to be happy. And this is why you're the worst. No, <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. No, no. This is, and, and where we'll, uh, just thinking about where we're going to land today, uh, right at the beginning, just understand the, the premise here is that if happiness is your highest goal in life, that is a terrible goal. And I know we've said things like that. And I, I know I've shared this story before, but it was a really impactful moment for me when I'm sitting at a graduation and one of the valedictorians is up there speaking and I know the kid's story. It's a small community and the kid has lost his dad in the previous year. And he's up there saying how the goal of life is to be happy. And it just struck me like the, the irony there, this person who has been confronted with the fact that all of life is not happiness. And, and well, where anger, frustration, depression, a lot of times springs from is having a blocked goal mm -hmm. is having a, some goal that you have. And, and most of the time we don't even know that it was the goal. Yeah. We, we don't uh, think in personal conflict. A lot of times we don't, we're mad, but we don't realize we're addressing we're, symptoms and not actual problems. Yeah. Normally. Uh, kids are often form really easy things. Why am I so mad at my kid when he won't go to the bed at the end of the night? Well, I have the goal of just being in bed and going to bed myself. I'm tired. I'm tired, right? But we, we find ourselves just yelling at our kids. Well, what was our goal? Our goal was that we just have a peaceful, easy night where our kids listen and obey. Well, that's an absurd goal. The first goal. time. The first guy. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, if you could objectively say, okay, uh, they're little sinners who are foolish. Uh, that doesn't seem like a very reasonable goal. Now, obviously, we want to be working towards that. but uh, well, I love this idea that if happiness is a goal, I can block your happiness really easily. You can, it's not even a person making that choice, but just life yeah. blocks that goal. And so like, I, I remember this will be uh, a, an idiot story, but not a super specific one. Cause this is just kind of this vague teenage Caleb. Let's get into the brain. Yeah. 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 So, Caleb. so as a, as a kid, uh, I'm a huge extrovert, right? Uh, and was more so even than I am now and, uh, love to be around people, uh, all good things, but I was homeschooled. So some of the greatest times 
uh, that I looked forward to were like summer camp or when I got to be a teenager, like, uh, like retreats and things like that. And I would look forward to them so much. I'd build them up in my head and I'd be like, Oh, that'll be such a happy time. So at Christmas time, you're just like, I cannot wait to get away from Christmas to get to the next event. Oh yeah, actually I would always be looking forward to the winter retreat Mm -hmm. that would come up in youth group. We'd have a fall retreat, a winter retreat, uh, spring break missions trips, summer camp, things like that. So great things. Oh, I am still a hundred percent in favor of these. I still get to go. I, I love that. I still get to go and do these things, but I built them up so much and I placed so much of my happiness in those events. And I remember I, I was probably early in high school when I realized every time I'd get home, I'd fall into a little bit of depression. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would just know be, exactly what you mean. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean the the a good camp speaker talks about how you're going to come off the mountaintop, and and so much of that was just I was so happy there being around these people and 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 good stuff too like studying the Bible, reading the Bible, uh, but but playing games and, and being around people, and and I would go into this funk afterwards. Um, so much so that I remember my parents like complaining, like, Hey, if you can't change, if you come home with attitude like this, uh, we're just not going to let you go. And, (laughs) and I realized that it was because all of my happiness was tied up in an event in a moment. Well, moments have to pass (laughs) all moments are constantly passing. So if I place my happiness in a moment, that means I'm going to be moving beyond that moment and I'm no longer happy. And so if, if we think that God just wants me to be happy all the time, reality smacks us in the face and says, that's not possible. Uh, what are some of the things you think we put our happiness in? I, just something for me, I, I've always, even I think today can be guilty of living event to event. That's so funny. I was thinking about our calendar on our fridge. Uh, I looked at it this morning. We just got back from Mexico this week for an anniversary trip. And I was like, oh, we were there. And I was, look, that was what I was building my whole winter mm. up to. And it's, it's done. And just kind of had to check myself and like, no, no, I, I want to be here. I want to be here with my family. But I like my, I like my normal life. I love like, my normal, yeah. I, and, and I want to build a normal life that I am content with. Yes. Uh, that I'm, I'm happy to return to. I think the danger there was like coming back to normal life isn't a valley. Mm, you know what I right. mean? So uh, anyway, little side note here. I never really understood the whole valley mountain thing. I get that valleys are low, but when people build houses around mountains, they don't build them on the mountains. They build them in the valleys. That's where the nice lush grass is, <laughs> where the water. Anyway, there's something something there that I could preach. But uh, for me, I, I've, I always found happiness in things. I love things. I, mm. I think this comes from just having a lot of, you know, siblings, you know, my parents, you know, especially near the back half. We, you know, we weren't as financially um sound as you know we were beforehand and so mm. but i loved getting things yeah. and even now i find myself like i'll buy something whether it's a new phone or a new pair of shoes or you know some clothes or you know whatever mm. and i'm like yes i'm so excited for it and then i get it i get that thing and i start realizing man i don't that didn't really do what i thought mm. it was going to do that didn't make my whole day like i was excited the first time but yeah now the shoes are dirty or now the phone mm. is Every, you know, everyone's got the same, whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm super guilty of buyer's remorse. You know, Sean t- all the time is like, just pick one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, and that's going to be okay. You know, that one's going to be fine. Cause uh, it's not, it's not going to fulfill all of your, your happiness for the rest of your life. It's not going to fulfill the rest of the hour. Typically. Right. Yeah. But that's what we get sold. I think uh, another one. Yeah. 
that really is in the church and, mm. and even in the world is that we think that marriage is going to mm. make us happy and fulfilled mm. all the time. I, I'm not to be said like, yeah. I just, like I said, I got to spend a week with my wife in a tropical yeah. area when it was like negative four degrees here. Uh, it was fulfilling and it made me happy and I enjoyed it, but mm. there was something deeper going on. But if I place all of my hope in Shauna and that relationship mm. uh, here in a few minutes, I'm going to screw it up or she's going to screw it up mm. and we're going to be left wanting taking a, a portion of that in inside of Christianity, we believe uh, sex is only to be enjoyed in the confines of marriage. And so uh, that's a hundred percent true. And I don't disagree, but like if you place all of your happiness on sexual pleasure, whether in marriage or out, yeah. you, you're going to be left wanting. Like it doesn't matter how much, uh, you're always if your happiness is built off sexual pleasure, it's it's always going to be not enough. You could just use the pleasure there, like just pleasure, pleasure yeah, from yeah. food, pleasure yeah, from people. That's where I was going to go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> food, I, food would be a big one for me too. Like, oh, I, well, I'm talking about my trip. I'm not trying to make people jealous, but I oh yeah, way too much food, <laughs> and I am suffering the last two days. <laughs> just my stomach has got issues. You know, what I mean? like, and I'm thinking like, what was making me so happy in the moment is now what I'm cursing. Right. Which is, you could take that, obviously you're speaking of a specific yes. body functions, but if just think the long-term, if, if you just uh, allow yourself to um, <laughs> give in to that pleasure and say, oh, this is what makes me happy, food will always lead to obesity and will uh, it won't end with you feeling better about your life. That yeah. That pleasure has a consequence and whether that's, uh, you know, food is a super easy one. I, I think think about Old Testament. Let's go a little Bible here. I think mm-hmm. there, God had set up the Old Testament rhythms. Whether it was, uh, let's just think about the feast days. Like He set certain feast mm-hmm. days, and He told them. I love that He called them feast days and not holiday. You know, that's what they kind of mm-hmm. talk about because there was a chance here to kind of indulge over, even overindulge a little bit. Like I remember thinking, like it's okay to feast here because now if you feast every day, not right. a great idea. But He understood that happiness was like. God does understand. Like, hey, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but like all other things that humans pursue, the devil has a way of twisting, and we have a way in our sinful nature twisting them till they turn into bad things. Mm. So this kid, mm. 18-year-old kid sitting up on stage being like, everything, we just want to be happy. He wasn't, there was no way he was happy. Just knowing no. his circumstances, yeah. there was no way he was happy in that moment. Because what the world defines as happiness would have been his dad watching and being there and celebrating. Mm. In, in fact, mm-hmm. if, I think if he would have thought about it, he'd have been incredibly sad. Yeah. It, we have to, in in order to live with that value of of just being happy, we have to have uh, a, a constant refill of whatever experience, thing, moment, pleasure makes us happy. This is why drugs are so addicting because they're a temporary happiness that we then that then says, oh, we need to experience that again and again. Whether that's gambling, pornography, uh, food, um, all of these different things, experiences. There, there are so many people that live for the next experience because that's what gives them this temporary happiness, and then they just crave more. People, th- this person makes me happy, and that we see this codependent relationship because all of their happiness is built up in a person yeah and well the christian answer would be 
that that is right. You should have your happiness built on a person, but not a a strictly limited human person that's fallible. So let's shift here and let's see if I can draw out Nerd Caleb a little bit. <laughs> oh, uh, no. uh, because let's talk about happiness and how you said happiness is the worst. And I think really why happiness is the worst is because happiness is like trying to catch smoke. It's mm. fleeting. Like it can be there, you can enjoy it, but when we pursue it and we try to sell out for it, it's elusive. But there's another yes. Bible word that we use. So you're talking about Jesus and finding mm. your satisfaction, you know, because if happiness is just this emotional high that you feel, you know, endorphins hitting your brain, all these cool mm -hmm. things are happening, you know, when your team wins, you know, uh, but next week they're going to lose and then you're going to lose it. So if happiness is the worst, then what's the next step? Well, so this is, this is where it, Jesus Duke or whatever. Uh, <laughs> there's a great, a great book on on marriage and it it asked it, the premise is the question what if god designed marriage not to make you happy but holy and the whole paradox there is that and this is the christian story and this is this is where we're going to go for the rest of the time that in pursuing holiness, in pursuing living like Jesus, in, in letting your life be dominated by him, mm -hmm. that's where you find happiness. It's, it's only in the pursuit of holiness, in the pursuit of Jesus, in the pursuit of living like him, that, that that's where you find lasting happiness. Or the biblical word more that describes that is joy. Yeah. And I think that's where you're that's trying. That's 100%. Like joy is found in which is which is simply happiness that lasts that isn't ephemeral that isn't moment to moment that isn't contingent on anything else joy can be done uh, regardless uh regardless of what the situations in life are but as we're pursuing this joy too uh i, I guess i'm taking us two different directions that's sure. we're, we're capable but when we look out at the world and they're pursuing happiness, that's mm -hmm. clear. This is just one of these areas that Christians have to realize, like, hey, we cannot follow the world in this. We have to be walking the other direction. But unfortunately, this is also something that I think Christians, because we live in this world, we fall into really, really easily. Mm, there's, there's, absolutely. A, there's a phrase for this that you we talked about beforehand. Uh, when we look at Christians who are pursuing this, you said Christian hedonism, I think is what you said. <laughs> yeah, that's a John Piper term. Okay. And, well, and what he means by it, is the pursuit of your own happiness is accomplished through the pursuit of Jesus. Mm. It's, uh, uh, he says it this way, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So in pursuing our own happiness, we don't pursue happiness for its own end, which is what the world tells us. Yeah. Pursue happiness for its own end. We pursue Jesus for his end. Mm. And in that pursuit, God says, I will give you joy forevermore. Yeah. I will give you the desires of your heart. If you're busy pursuing me and loving me, uh, if we pursue joy, if we pursue happiness, not through him, then we end up with this emptiness, this desperately needing more and more and more. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just thinking about the parable that Jesus teaches about. I think it's just a short one where he's like, you know, a father's not going to give a snake to his son. It's this mm, idea of like, mm -hmm. he wants us to have good things. He is a good yeah. father who wants good things. But I think this is in other areas of life too. If all I do is chase that, then it's going to kind of be right out of reach. But yeah. if you slow down and you just try to focus on other things, like Caleb was saying, like focus on glorifying God, focus on serving the people around you. 
what you're going to find is you're going to be a happier person because of that, mm. because your happiness is then found in something that is eternal. Whereas when we're chasing it, we're, fi- we're, we're uh, chasing happiness through a mortal thing. Like it's not ever going to f- fulfill and satisfy us. It's like eating cotton candy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, I love some cotton candy. Yes, me too. <laughs> but you get through the bag of cotton candy. It ended really quick. You didn't get filled up and you feel like trash. <laughs> you do feel, you like feel like trash. And so uh, you, you realize pretty quickly, I'm maturing in with your food choices. is like cotton candy is <laughs> meant to be grabbed for one bite. You know what I mean? Uh, I always laugh when you're at the games and they sell the giant bags. And I'm like, there's one seven-year-old over there just going to town. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's really what we're all Christians. When you're running around mm. chasing happiness instead of chasing after Jesus and when he gives. You're the seven-year-old shoving cotton candy in his mouth and expecting it to fill you up. Mm. I no, I was preaching. Yeah, yeah, uh, get it. it. Which you always know when I'm preaching because it's always very practical and visual. There's a story <laughs> behind it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always more like that. Mine has some weird Greek or Hebrew <laughs> word that, that nobody cares about. You're like, dude, yeah, stop. Like, 10, not even 10% of the Bible is Aramaic, but Caleb will go find that word. He's going he's to tease it out. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, but... I just think of this idea of joy, uh, and this is a great shift for Christians. So many times the, the words we use matter, and I think if you're like, hey, like, uh, there's this Bible study that I'm doing right now where there's a podcast attached to it, and she always ends with, you know, this is where the joy is found. Mm-hmm. And what she's trying to say is the truth of God is where we found our fulfillment. And joy is so much more than just this elation, this mountaintop moment, but it's this satisfaction. It's kind of like when you come home from vacation, you realize that was a lot of fun, but I like being here. This is home. Like I'm satisfied in this. Mm. It's in your marriage when you realize like, like the honeymoon stage is over. You still want to be hanging out and you're like, I'm finding satisfaction in the good gifts God has given me. I don't, mm. I don't need it from Shauna, but because I'm loving God and serving God and serving my wife, I'm going to get that sometimes from Shauna. You know what I mean? It, it matters. So going back to, my idiot, sorry, no, I promise I'll bring it back around no, here. Yeah. Uh, one of the things then I found myself reacting to was when I realized that I, I placed all of my happiness in these moments, I reacted against it and then like had tried to have zero expectations for anything. And I found myself just like, eh, it was okay. Just, I've heard you do this before. Yeah. Because like we're going this. to an event, you're like, ah, I'm sure it'd be, it'd be whatever. It'd be fun. Uh, you know, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm trying to get excited over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So the, it, it's still a struggle for me in that I, I know my tendency is to build happiness into events. And so I still am finding myself reacting in a way that's not I, I can get excited about events. Now, don't place. So I guess what I'm asking is, how do you help t- tease out the difference there between placing your happiness in in whether it's people or events or things? How do you balance experiencing the good gifts from God with joy and contentment, but not building your happiness on those, building them on Jesus and allowing Jesus to then let you get excited about things still. Does that make sense? That was kind of a rambling no, question. I, I think I'm just going to take your event-based thing. I think it'd be easier if we nail it down sure. to one and try to think. Because um, the same as Caleb, I go to, uh, to camps every year. And I, I bring teenagers. I like watching the evolution of the seventh grader I bring to the 12th grader I bring <laughs> and the differences of what they do at camp. Uh, because the 12th graders start realizing this is my last one mm. and they start wanting to drink it up a little bit more. Mm. They start trying to, you know, and, and then that 10th, 11th, 12th grade year is a little different. And, and there's a subtle shift here when you're saying, okay, instead of saying this event is going to be the greatest week of my life, you can say like, this is, event is going to be a great opportunity for God to change my life. 
Okay. You see that. And so, and you could use it. That's teen camp. So very, teen camp is so very specific. Like you get mm-hmm. away from your normal, you get into the Bible every day, you're worshiping. So you could take a vacation that you're going on. If, if Caleb's going on a vacation with his wife next year, and he's thinking like, I'm building up to all of this. Like if you're, re- if you're going to rely on that vacation to fix or keep your marriage healthy, you're going to realize <laughs> it's not going to be a great option. But if you use that as a leverage, as a catalyst to further your marriage in the rest of the year, you see the subtle shift there. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I think when we approach God, this matters too. Uh, we were just teaching Wednesday night about using our gifts and our service to, you know, how we're supposed to use this. And the Bible says, like, you're supposed to do it to two reasons, to build others up and to glorify God. Okay. But what happens when you find a place that you serve and it starts to become your place, Caleb? What happens to you? Do you start enjoying it? You start finding fulfillment from it? You start being almost like it's part of your character and your identity. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a danger shift there, but if yes. you're doing it for the right reasons, mm-hmm. God's going to give you tenfold. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to be And that's Christian hedonism. If you're loving and trusting and obeying God, life, like, not that every moment will be great, but you'll be experiencing joy. And it, uh, I think I've shared this so sorry. I, I, I've been sharing this with a bunch of people because no, it, it was sure. a, an impactful thing for me and I, and I love it. And I, I just texted out to the young adults we, uh, in December, uh, no, January, went to Passion just a couple of weeks ago now. And uh, one of the, the uh, young adult, not the speaker, but he was talking about this young woman who was on his church staff who was in charge of the young adults. And he had had a kind of a crazy testimony, you know, the the crazy testimony in that he lived the full life of a sinner mm. pursuing pleasure in the I way. I love that you said crazy testimony and not good testimony. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You uh, and, and I want to tease that out. He lived the full extent. And that wasn't his message. It wasn't his point. But he just uh, referenced that in, in several points. And then this young lady that's on his staff that leads the young adult ministry and and was faithfully following Jesus all the way through. And, and not that I'm saying I did this perfectly, but th- that was largely my own testimony. I yeah. never had a point of like wild rebellion against God. There was a couple of key moments that I know God helped redirect me and keep me on track. And it was fully his grace and mercy. The rod and the staff were coming y- yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of <laughs> gently nudged me. I didn't need the, the hey, head, idiot. Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> head crushing. It was like a, a gentle prodding, like, hey, look where you're going. Let's stay on the path here. Um, so, so my, I, I resonated with how he was describing this young woman. Mm. And so he says to her, he looks at her and he's like, Hey, what's the, been the difference between your life and my life? Which is a phenomenal question. Yeah, it's a great I, question. I loved it too. Just stopping and thinking about that. And he describes her as getting this cocky little smile on her face. And she looks at him and he's like, I had more fun and less scars. And <laughs> I just said, mic drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a simple, clear answer to describe the life, what it means to live the holy life, to pursue Jesus. And paradoxically, you get to have more fun. At the end of the day, you've had more fun. You've had more happiness than those who pursue it for its own sake, than those who live the way the world says to live. Because she had more fun. And I would say this too I had more fun in high school and college. During these wild times when the world says, go do, live life, experience all the stupid that the world has to offer. But I walked out 
having more fun in the moment. And then I also have less scars to carry with me through life. Like I don't carry a lot of those. And that's fully a testimony to God's love and grace and and just absolute mercy on me. I am way too big of an idiot uh, to have accomplished that in my own. But that's, that's what we're talking about here is that following Jesus and his purpose and plan leads you to more fun. Not that everything's perfect, but that even in the face of adversity, like Paul says, I've learned in whatever situation I find myself to be content. No food, I'm content. You know, no no clothes, content. Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking like, it's dangerous for Christians to be chasing the natural. Like, pick a better value than happiness. That's why happiness <laughs> yes. is the worst. But yeah, yeah. we're sold that happiness. Well, it's not even. We're not even sold it anymore. That's just the assumption in our culture. Yeah. That happiness is obviously what I'm chasing. What you should be living for. Like it's. We don't even talk about it because it's just the ingrained uh, assumption in our culture of what the highest value in life is. Yeah, because I think if you just weighed and measured your life on the happiness versus all the other feelings that you're going to experience, because we're also saying there that happiness is the greatest emotion and feeling you can have, which is just not true. Mm. Like there's depth and even joy to be found in the sadness and in the and in the times when you're like you're contemplating all all of these different things that we can be feeling. You Mm. know what I mean? Um, I'm like blanking on any other emotion right now. Grief, Uh, grief. Grief. Yeah, Uh, I mean, right. Like that's it's a powerful one. Like. Grief is a good thing. Yeah. Anger has its place. Yeah. Uh, jealousy. Do you know one of the names of God is jealousy? Like we have no framework for that. If happiness is the, or, or love, we, like yes. we have God is love, which is true. hundred percent true. God is also wrath. It says God is wrath. What? We're, we're young dads, so we often bring them back to Disney movies. But I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking about uh, Inside Out. Oh, the, I was just going to say it before. <laughs> the maturity of the character is when they're realizing that uh, the Joy character, they, they start mm. combining those memories mm. and those feelings to be an actual mature person. Walk through the, the tension there. Because sadness is the... It's the one that's being shunned. I mean, it's so silly. (laughs) The one that they're pushing out, like, no, we can't feel sadness. We can't feel like get her out of here. And joy and and anger and even fear, you know, get to stay around. Uh, Yeah, there's there's five key emotions. Joy, fear, anger, sadness. Running the person. Yeah. Uh, Listen to me again. Sorry, I talked about Joy, fear, anger, sadness. I'm missing one. Like anxiety. Envy. Envy. Envy Envy is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) She's green. It's great. It's so funny. And they create these core memories and, and you know, all the memories have a certain, you know, one of those core emotions that go with it. And then as the person matures, they realize it's when they're mixed in those emotions that you're going to find what you're really looking for. And so the answer for us Christians and for just people in general, like you need to realize like these are going to, you know, your happiness is going to come with grief. Like think about this young man that we started with, like he's standing there. Maybe he's thinking about how the, the pride that his dad would have in him for mm. getting valedictorian. Mm. Like there's happiness and grief mixed in there hand mm-hmm. in hand. And he couldn't, he, like, so he's like, maybe he's happy, but maybe yeah. he's feeling guilty because he felt happy because his dad's like. Yeah. It, it, pride. pride. I, yeah. I, I accomplished, I, not pride yeah. in a negative sense, and I worked hard yeah. to be up here. And yet, I, I'm, so I'm really happy. I'm proud of what I accomplished, but I'm also sad. because Oh, it's, that's a perfect example. Yeah. And when we elevate just happiness, and say that's what we should experience, then we have no no framework for 
the the hardships of life, the mm-hmm. trials of life. And then we come back to doubting God. Well, if my goal in life is to be happy and I have to experience these other things, well, then God must not be a good God. And I've seen this. I've seen people take that. Yeah. And it's this is the premise of... And why would you not in there if you oh, lifted up happiness as the highest 100%. That makes... It, it makes so much sense of our culture right now. And any th- time anything terrible happens and you have to face... The fact that you're feeling something other than happiness, yeah. Uh, we, we freak out and doubt God. There's a famous thought movement called Stoicism mm. that uh, tried to do what we're talking about, like tried to level out, like, hey, we're not trying to get higher, we're not trying to get low, we're mm-hmm. just trying to get there in the middle and just trying to stay. Mm. And there was a lot of good things learned from it. A lot yeah, of it, great men and women came from it and changed the world from it. Uh, and we can learn something from them. I think that's what, probably what Caleb was reading at the time. Something, some stoic said, he's like, I got to bring myself way down off this event-based stuff. And he went the wrong direction. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> too, too far, right? Too far. Uh, but this op- that, sto- Sorry. No. Stoicism was in reaction to this emotional movement mm-hmm. that was going on that I live out all of my emotions all the time. That all of my emotions are my true self. That's how toddlers live. <laughs> that's, how, <laughs> that's, that's what a toddler is. It's 100%. Yeah. I tell my son all the time, like, he has wild swings of emotions, like all young boys do. Like, yeah. if you watch young boys, like, play sports. And so, specifically in a sport where it's physical contact, where we do this jujitsu mm. stuff, it, there's a lot of highs and lows. And we have a moment, we have a... Quickly. We, yeah, we have, a, we have something we do. I put one hand up really high, and I put one hand really low, like an alligator, like think Florida Gators. And I said, hey, where do we want to be? And together we go in the middle and we bring Mm -hmm. our hands together like it's okay to pop up here it's Mm -hmm. okay to pop down there Mm -hmm. you mean but where we want to live is in the middle Mm -hmm. you know what i mean uh and the the christian jesus juke of that is like we're trying to find our identity and our joy and even when we're grieving or we're angry or we're happy we're trying to find our life in the middle of jesus Mm -hmm. and the person of jesus is such a great picture to look at Mm -hmm. all the emotions Mm -hmm. he felt weeping for his friend Lazarus, you know what I mean? Getting angry uh, at certain others in the temple. Or he's standing over Jerusalem knowing what he's about to go do, weeping for them. You know what I mean? He's laughing with his friend. Like, Mm -hmm. so many good things. I love seeing, and then the sarcasm of Jesus. (laughs) Yes. You can't read it and not Mm -hmm. see absolute sarcasm. Like, (laughs) so. Which one is, yeah, when he tells the parable of uh, when, when the woman comes to wash his feet, and he's like, Simon. Which one of these persons is happier? The person who got forgiven or the person who didn't? Like the sarcasm, you're like, yeah. Jesus just lined up a softball. Here's what he's oh, doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just as you read Jesus, one of the things I, I think uh, our church is reading through John, John, John has a lot of Jesus emotions mm-hmm. in there. And uh, it's, look for those, see those, uh, let those guide you as you try and process through emotions and realizing that. Uh, Jesus is like, like, uh, Terry Lee Coble. Uh, it's in, um, I keep wanting to say the Bible project, That's <laughs> yeah, not yeah, Bible yeah. recap, the yeah. Bible recap. And it's a read through the Bible in a year program. And she gives a five to 10 minute, uh, podcast that recap. goes with each day, a recap, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> recap, <laughs> well done. There. Uh, and, and so she ends, like Jake said earlier with every day, it's cause he's where the joy is. The truth, and the truth, the word. The life. These are the terms used of Jesus. Uh, this book had a truth to move forward with. I think that wraps all this up really well. It says, the world's definition of happiness is often dictated by circumstances. But biblical joy is built on a person named Jesus. We're out. Mm-hmm.